to be a pilgrim. My name is Jonathan and I live in London. There have been pilgrimages to Santiago in Compostela, which is situated in the northwest corner of Spain from about the 9th century and the first international pilgrimage as such was recorded in 950 AD when the Bishop of Le Puy, which is a town in the Massif Central in the south centre of France, undertook a long pilgrimage to Santiago from Le Puy and the distance from there to Santiago is 1,600 kilometres or approximately 1,000 miles. My wife and I did it in two sections of approximately 500 miles each. The first part took us from Le Puy across the Pyrenees to Pamplona, and that took us about 35 days. And then two years later, we did the second part of the pilgrimage from Pamplona across the top of Spain and finished up in Compostela again approximately 35 days later. The French sections and Spanish sections were very different and contrasting. The walking in Spain is perhaps not as difficult, but it goes through tougher, rougher terrain, and the accommodation problems are more acute in Spain, partly because many more people actually do the Spanish bit. The Puy itself is an absolutely fascinating city. It lies in a bowl in the mountains of the Massif Central, and has volcanic extrusions dotted around, which are known as plugs. On top of some of these, little chapels have been perched on top, one of which is Notre-Dame de France. The cathedral itself is constructed of black volcanic basalt, and is built at the top of one of the hills, but is not quite so dominant. But nevertheless, it is a wonderful Romanesque construction. It itself was a centre for pilgrimage, long before the pilgrimages to Santiago started from there, and it has one of the oldest, if not the oldest, Marian shrine in Europe. It's known as the Black Madonna. Black because it refers to somebody working very hard in vineyards for long hours and therefore being very, very sun-beaten. Before we set off from the Puy, we were lucky enough to stay in a convent There was a special mass for pilgrims at, I think it was 7am in the morning, and so we got up the next day very early and were taken through winding streets up quite steep steps by one of the sisters. The stars were still out and bright and it was very cold when we got into the dark cathedral, but it was a lovely service and there were one or two other pilgrims who we recognised later on on our walk. After Mass, we got a special blessing from the bishop with a few other pilgrims who were setting off from Le Puy on the same day, although some of them had actually walked to Le Puy from other parts of Europe. It so happened that we had an introduction to the bishop, so we were invited to his apartments for a lovely breakfast which consisted, of, I remember, of boiled eggs. The day we set off was, in fact, 16th of October, and we were delighted to discover that it was the feast day of a local saint who was called Saint Bonnet, and um, there was a lot of reference to him in that, that part of France. The day was also important because it was an anniversary of the appointing of Pope John Paul II, 
it was his anniversary date too, so we thought it was a very special day when we set off. Setting off from the Puy, you climb up out of this bowl and then see the hills of the Auvergne stretching out in front of you. The route itself is quite easy to follow, based as it is on the official French long-distance footpaths, which are known as Grand Randonnées. There are special little marks dotted along the way, on bridges, on trees, beside the road, which tell you that you're following the right path. And after a bit, you begin to realise that if you haven't seen one of these marks, which is known as a Belize, then you've probably taken the wrong turn. The first sort of big physical challenge that we had was to cross the Allier Valley, which is a tributary of the Loire, and arises in the south of the Massif Central, not far from the source of the Loire itself. But it cuts a great big, almost a gorge, through the Massif Central, so we had to descend right down across the river and then back up the other side, which was quite a challenge for two people who'd only been a day and a half on the route. We were completely self-contained, that is, we carried all that we needed on our backs, but we soon realised that we had to jettison anything that wasn't essential. There were other pilgrims on the route at the same time as us, although it, it wasn't a particularly popular time of year. This was the second half of October, the first half of November, and we soon realised that everybody had their own pace and uh, own way of doing things. And so one would find oneself walking with them for perhaps a mile or two, and then for one reason or another, either we would pull away or they would suddenly pick up their own pace. One of the real pleasures of the pilgrimage is that you are part of the landscape and you're going at your own pace under your own steam. And so you know that you'll only get wherever you want to go by just walking. And so off you go and you, you really do feel that you're part of the landscape. You can stop and look at things that might interest you on the way, particular buildings or particular beautiful views. And it was very daunting sometimes to look into the far distance and know that over the next day or so that you yourself would be covering that great big vast space. Quite often we would look ahead and see what seemed to be quite a, a large hill and we would convince ourselves that there'd be no way that we would find ourselves going up that hill, and there must be ways round it or whatever. But quite often there we would be a few hours or even a day later, walking right over the top of this hill, which seemed such a daunting prospect a few miles earlier. But gradually one becomes fitter, although one's feet would in the meantime have been very liable to blisters and more uncomfortable things as one wore in one's boots. Another thing that I found particularly helpful was a stick. I had an old walking stick which had a V at the top, which was absolutely indispensable. The other thing that was important to do was to plan the day a bit, to make sure that you had enough food to get you through to the evening, because rather to our surprise, some days there was literally nowhere to stop. There were a few hamlets that we passed through, where there was nobody during the day and there were no shops and nowhere where we could get extra provisions. The route from Le Puy took us up to the Aubrac Plateau, which is about 5,000 feet, and we then dropped down from the edge of the Massif Central to the Lot Valley, 
And so we find ourselves walking through Saint-Combe-Do, Espalion, Estaing, and then we got to the wonderful medieval monastery of Conque, which is in a valley completely surrounded, but it's in the shape of a shell, hence the name Conque. There the most wonderful Romanesque church has been built, and we were received very warmly by a small group of Norbertine monks who looked after the pilgrims as they passed through, and there was a lovely dormitory where we all slept. We were also entertained in the monastery by one of the people attached to the Norbertines who came from Switzerland, who gave us a concert using an alpine horn, which blew very slowly and deeply, and the sound reverberated round the church. This was followed by one of the monks playing on the organ, and we were treated to a very special rendition of God Save the Queen. From there we continued on to Figeac, Saint-Cirque-Lapotie, Cahors, and then the other particular site was Moissac, which has got the most wonderful carvings around its cloister. Moissac itself was a pilgrimage venue in the Middle Ages, and along all the route there were places that had been effectively endowed by the Benedictines of Cluny. By now the river valleys had broadened and the land became considerably more fertile and we started passing through vineyards and fields of cornflowers. Up on the limestone plateaus there were stone shepherd's huts and uh, once upon a time there had been wonderful sheep rearing had been done there and now one walks and gets wonderful odours and scents of thyme and other other wild plants. We crossed the Gironde River just after Moissac, and then the land became gentler and more fertile still as we walked through the region known as the Gers, and the particular towns we passed through were Auvillard and Le Romieux, Condom, and Eos. One day we were suffering particularly from very wet and we saw a sign saying that there was some local Armagnac for sale. So we went to a little farmhouse just about 200 yards from our, our route and bought a little bottle of the said Armagnac and had a couple of sips and it made the rest of our day much easier to, to survive. The walking that particular day was was rather boring because we found ourselves following an old railway track where the lines had been taken up, so it was quite easy walking, but somehow the monotony of it soon got to us. The landscape was gradually changing again and starting to get more hilly, and then suddenly on a clear day we could see the Pyrenees mountains and a great line in front of us. We were now entering the Basque part of France and we noticed that there was quite a smell of pork around much of the time and we realised that pork is very much the basis of the local diet as are ducks and we often passed huge duck farms. The walking became tougher again as we had to go up and down in the foothills of the Pyrenees so it wasn't particularly easy walking by this stage although we had a, a great fortune when one of the little gites 
in a local town was run by a baker and his wife, and they looked after us regally for one night, and then did give us a bit of a leg up by giving us a short lift across a rather boring part of the walk, which is where the lack gas fields are, and therefore they're not particularly pretty. And we started afresh, heading on towards the Pyrenees. We shortly came to the area where a number of the pilgrimage routes heading towards Santiago come together from various parts of France. And, as far as I remember, particularly took place at Ostabat, which is a few miles short of the Pyrenees. Our original destination was Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, which is the last French town on the French side of the Pyrenees, and we were extremely pleased to get there. However, meeting other pilgrims in the quite big gîte at Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, we were strongly advised that it was a sensible thing to do to cross the Pyrenees while we were still fit. So that's what we decided to do. We got up at about five o'clock, and it was a clear day, luckily, and the stars were still out as we headed out of Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. It seemed as if we were the only people who were crossing from the French side on that day, although we did meet up with one other Spanish pilgrim later, who had made the crossing in the same day. But we felt very brave as we headed up the steep slopes into the heart of the Pyrenees. As we climbed, we noticed that we were being watched by a large number of red kites, which are pretty plentiful in that part of the world, and somehow their presence kept us, kept us going. Having climbed up the road, and it was quite a well-tarmac road, and so the walking itself wasn't difficult other than it was quite steep, we got out onto a flatter plot and stopped and had a late breakfast, early lunch, and um, drank some more of the wonderful Armagnac brandy that we still had with us. After a bit further, we branched off the road and headed towards the Spanish border. By this time, clouds were rolling in and we were a little fearful we were going to find ourselves in a big storm. But although the sun disappeared, we managed to navigate the path through the woods, across the top of valleys, until we came out the other side and looked down into Spain. We then had a quite a long and difficult descent down to the monastery at Rosa Valles, which was our destination for that night. And as we went to bed, we expected to be woken up to catch the only bus that left for Pamplona the next day. By a, a mischance, our alarm clock was misset, and so by the time we got out of bed, we discovered that the one bus had left, and on discovering there was no other way to get to Pamplona from Roncesvalles than on our feet, we set off at about eight o'clock. It was very nice walking, and most of it was sort of gently downhill and through woods, but we rather hoped that we would find a local bus or a taxi which would take us to Pamplona. But we walked and we walked and we walked, and we eventually did a usual day's walk by the middle of the afternoon, but we weren't very attracted by the particular refugio that we saw, and it was a rather an industrial area, so we kept on walking, and night set in. Luckily there was a wide path which we were walking on, and it was made out of whitish stone, and so though we couldn't see very far, we were able to see the white of the path. 
and eventually at about half past ten at night, having been walking from eight o'clock in the morning, we reached Pamplona, very tired. The next day we went to Mass in a little chapel just round the corner, and we formally said goodbye to that part of the pilgrimage and undertook to take it up again from the same place at some unknown date in the future. As we rode in the bus back to Le Puy to meet up with our car, we reflected on the five weeks of walking and the many people we'd met. Some of the people were walking just for the sake of walking, other people wanting to walk eventually to Santiago, but they were not particularly involved with the Christian side of things, but were certainly seeking something deeper. And there were a few pilgrims like ourselves who tried to go to Mass as often as they could and visit the churches on the way, most of which were in fact locked during the day. But there was a, an extraordinary international mix and there was a definite feeling of camaraderie between all the people who were effectively doing the pilgrimage.